Welcome to We Are Chafee Looking Upstream, a conversational podcast of humanness, community, and well-being rooted in Chafee County, Colorado. I'm Adam Williams. Today I'm talking with Mars and Ashley Fight. The Fights have some fantastic insights and perspectives on life, travel, parenting, and creativity, and other things. They are married digital creators who were early to living adventures on the road before hashtag van life became a thing on social media. In this conversation, they tell about making leaps of faith, about living now and not putting big dreams off until, well, who knows when. They share about how their van life actually started with a months-long 48-state road trip and a Honda Civic with their then two-year-old daughter. We talk about how they came to be featured on HGTV's show Tiny House Big Living when they were converting a cargo van into a home, and how that factored into their launch of a several-years-long road adventure that still has not so much ended as made space for them to build a home base in the mountains from which to venture out into future family travels. They also added a son to the family along the way, inspiring all the more their online followers to know that this life is possible, or whatever life you dream of, even with kids and even with all the responsibilities that come with raising a family, paying the bills, and so on. We talk about what they've learned from life on the road and from the diverse array of people they've met and how that has influenced their concepts of community in real life and online. I really appreciated also getting to know who Ashley and Mars are as people behind their social media accounts and to learn about what that public presence means to them and doesn't. We talk about authenticity and connection and they lay out the three components that they use to guide their path to happiness. Among other things, we cover a lot of incredible ground in this conversation. Now, really quickly before we dive into it, I want to remind any of you who are listening to Looking Upstream on Apple Podcasts or Spotify that five-star ratings and enthusiastic reviews are incredibly helpful for this community-building podcast. And so is telling your friends, coworkers, and family members about it too, of course, in real life and online. Thank you in advance for helping us to keep building on the momentum that we have going and for helping us to keep growing the good in our community and beyond. All right, here we go. A conversation with The Fights. Ashley Mars, welcome to Looking Upstream. I am really grateful that you're here. We're excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're honored. I think I'm just going to jump into the van life thing with you too, because that's what a lot of people probably are who are aware of your public presence know you for. And you're known as the fights online, your website, Instagram, all those things. So let's just talk about your origin story right there related to van life. Ashley, you want to start? Um, all right. So it kind of started with our 48 state road trip, um, which was pre van life. This was in our <laughs> Honda Civic. But this is what started our travels. So um, Mars came home one day with this idea to travel the 48 states following this map that had kind of gone viral online. And I said yes to doing that. And he immediately got out his laptop and planned the whole thing and said, okay, well, we can leave in six months. And I think, I think she reluctantly said yes. 
And then I took that as an open door and we just ran with it. <laughs> yeah, that's usually what happens. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then we, we had our daughter at the time. She was two. Um, it took us about three months to complete the trip. And when we got back, we were... We were amped, man. We were kind of hooked mm -hmm. on travel. So we started looking at vans because, as everyone probably listening knows, a Honda Civic is pretty small. <laughs> and it was hard to, you know, travel and sleep in and camp in. And, mm -hmm. yeah. So we And we thought, you know, if we kind of strung this trip together and we we're like, if we can pull that off, if we just got a van, man, it'd be so much easier. And, you know, at the time we were looking at little vanigans and all sorts of things. There wasn't we were actually finding inspiration in tiny homes, like, you know, traditional tiny homes on a trailer. And then, you know, we're like, well, what if you just get like a cargo van and like just go for that? And yeah. then, then after some research found out, oh, there's some other people that have done this. Let's try to, you know, yeah. this was this was this in out. twenty this was in twenty sixteen that we started looking at vans. And so at the time, it really wasn't this big thing that it's become now it wasn't okay. glamorized there was nothing really for us to there wasn't a, um, a community around it That's, and there probably was it was just a very small yeah you know, it hadn't been instagrammed yet yes, i guess that's a, that's a good way <laughs> so no, no hashtags around van life no and, and uh -uh. whatever all the other you know words people associate with that do you consider yourselves part of what built that what made those hashtags and that existence and that way of being out in the world are you are you I part think of that? That's awfully dangerous to try to claim something like that. Yeah. I, I'm I, sure. I can uh, say there we've probably helped some people. You know, I yeah. think there's like individuals that might say, you know, who have children that have started out in bands. We were particularly the crazy ones with the kid that were that <laughs> yeah. were, you know, trying to to do something like this. And so I think that I think people saw that and said, well, shoot, man, if they can do it with a kid, I can probably do it without one, you know, or maybe I can do it with my with my kids. And so we really loved that aspect of it because we were just trying to figure it out for ourselves. And then, you know, in return, we're able to kind of help some other people, um, at least at the very right. least, find some inspiration to kind of make the plunge. I think a lot of people who look from afar at van life or would know your story at all might still be thinking – but I've got to have a job. I've got to be rooted. I've got to pay bills. I've got to save for retirement. How do you afford all this? I can't possibly do it. What do you say to those people who they like the idea? They tell you that they're jealous, whatever, but believe, like just have this conditioning that it's not possible. I don't know how you're doing it, but it's not possible for me. I'll just first say okay. that is probably the majority of people that we talk to. Sure. I is, bet. Yeah, it's just like how, like how, why, when, like how do all these pieces come together and you still have any sort of security in life? Well, and I was just going to mention before, like you go to San Diego and everyone's being pushed out of their homes and they all have to live in vans. And so it's on one hand, you're like, you know, some people are forced into this life. So whenever you, you meet people in the van life community, they're either coming from this like people are silver spoon have a silver spoon and they have this beautiful van and how do they afford it or there's this other group of people in the same community that are forced into it you know and so yeah because of the housing crisis which unfortunately is affected here locally but it's it's nationwide we talk to people from all over the country in any any sort of desirable place to live um, you know, it's right. happening. And so, yeah, you have these two groups of people that are choosing one group that's choosing to do it and another group that's kind of being forced to do it. And 
But to better answer your question, I think, is whenever you have this established life with your job, your nine to five, or this very secure life that you're used to, it is scary to make this change. Um, But you can always go back. You know, that's why I tell people is you can always go back to that. When we did our 48-state road trip, we were like, we're going to take three months and do this thing. And so we've met a lot of people on the road that take six months or take, you know, a gap year. And you can Mm -hmm. always go back and get a job and get a house and have that very stable, normal life. But um, it's nice to just see if it's something you want to do. And then if it's not, you know, no harm. You know, you you learn some lessons and then you go back to living life as you did before. At the end of the day, though, you really do have to just kind of make a decision like, I'm going to try this. And it might fail for me or it may not. Um, But I think most people that do, even if they had saved up a bunch of money and, you know, prepared really well for it, uh, I think most people don't regret it. That's for sure. I Yeah, I would guess that for an awful lot of things that we leap into in life, things that have, you know, we've dreamt of doing and we make that leap, how often do we regret that? Something great comes from it. You're always, you're always glad. Like they say, mm-hmm. y- the only things that we worry about really when it comes time for that deathbed is what you didn't do. Right. Yep. But I do Absolutely. think for an awful lot of people, they are held up by the idea of, I can't try it and then go back because if I leave my job, my job's not going to give me three months off, six months, a right. year, whatever. They're mm-hmm. not going to care about this big dream I have to travel and take my family on the road. It, it is a big leap of faith, I think, right. that is maybe for an awful lot of people, they feel a leap too far, you know? And so I think, however, you can share that inspiration is amazing and right. and mm-hmm. wonderful for people who to just try in their own version. Maybe it's to start small with yeah. it. We, we encourage people, hey, if this is something you're interested in doing, you should go rent a van for a month or, or even two weeks. Try to go out for two weeks because, you know, a weekend or a week is not really right. enough to kind of understand the full scope of it. But Two to three weeks, you're ba- you're basically getting a little uh, enough of a taste, and so we always encourage, generally always right. encourage people, unless we first. know them very well and we know that they would absolutely just knock it out of the ballpark and love it. Yeah, to do that first right. to get a little sample of it. And I think 2020 kind of changed things too for people with jobs, where you know now there's so many options for remote work. Um, that yeah, a lot of people are doing it comfortably now. Right. So now you can have, you know, for us, we were we do contract work. We've always done picked up odd jobs, you know, along the way. And so for us, it was always life was kind of a leap of faith because as if anyone does sure. contract work, you're like, you know, I don't mm-hmm. next month, you know, you can plan about three months in advance was probably as far out as we'd ever planned. And so after that, you're like, well, I don't know what's going to come. But then, you know. Life always kind of yeah. shows up for you. I think it's kind of like you put out that your foot out and then the step kind of comes. It's kind of the whole like we, we, we talk about how magic happens when we exhibit faith you know, or like or any sort of like, you know, we just believe like, hey, if we if we believe that we're on the right trajectory in life and we're doing we're following our heart, then, you know, magic just kind of happens to make it all work out. You know, God or the universe or whatever you want to call it. Um, there is a yeah yeah. There's a magic there. So. And we've also experienced sometimes when it feels you know like we're just hitting inertia all the time, <laughs> and yeah. in that I say that's like you know growth Growing through pains. pain. Yeah, you exactly. know, and how are we supposed to grow in life if everything's just magical and everything just happens for you? You know, and so you have to look at those times as like this is like strengthening you. It's like lifting right. weights. It sucks, but like later <laughs> you look back and you're like, okay. You know, that was worth it. And we generally grow through challenges, right? Like, we, you know, when we're sitting on our, like, in the comfort 
of our of our lifestyle and however that is um you know it's you have to challenge yourself during those times right you have to you have to be motivated to go to the gym or, or whatever it is to, to challenge yourself but you know whenever you step out and kind of do something that you know you're not comfortable with you, those growth opportunities just present themselves <laughs> you two were on hgtv's um show tiny house big living right with the van mm-hmm. conversion to get yeah. this going and i'm wondering what role that played in maybe launching this actual van life you know beyond <laughs> beyond the sedan yeah that's a great um, question so i actually i went to college with this girl who was working in the, in the casting department for that show and so we just wrapped up our 48 state road trip we'd kind of been posting about it regularly through our social channels and so we posted that we got this van and so she'd been kind of following our journey and said well now i work for this show tiny house big living would you guys be interested and i was like yes absolutely I mean, it was it was the day we got our van on valentine's day it was the day after valentine's day that she that we posted hey we got this van and we're so excited to you know convert it and yeah. people were so confused like what do you mean convert it and yeah people did not <laughs> they, understand they, they did not get the idea but she but her friend whoever this yeah. um gal was she right off the bat was like hey it, would you be interested in doing this? And we're like, um, mm-hmm. sure. Well, let's, let's go for it. And the way that kind of changed our trajectory with the van build is we really didn't have that much money at the time. You know, we were like younger and had just had this baby who I guess now is two years old. And back to the independent contractor life. And so, we just done like, this three month trip. So like mm-hmm. we, he sold his car just so we could put a down payment on this van. So we were planning on like, you know, if we just put a mattress in here for a while, at least we have a bed while we drive around. Yeah, that's like, where we were at. And then we were like, let's do it. So then we said yes. And then we started watching the show. We'd never seen the show before. And I looked at him and I was like, these are really nice. Yeah, these people Tiny are coming houses. in with like lots of money doing like these big projects. And I was like, we and, have to do really we're like, well. We're like, you know, bootstrapping right. this thing, you know. And so through all the interview process of, of them trying to decide whether or not they wanted to choose us for the show – we just kept thinking really big and we were looking at these tiny homes and how they, you know, put a lot into them because they're like, well, what else can you have? And I was like, well, I don't know, kitchen. Well, what else yeah, can you wanted, have? They wanted uh, seven bathroom. features for, like, for, for a like, bill. It's a van, you know? Do they help pay for it? Can I ask? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So we don't, we didn't get paid to be on the show, but they basically said there's a small budget that we can help you with things that you, if you can't afford to do, but it might be a fun idea. So they helped pay for someone to do cabinets because we were trying really hard and kept breaking bits and we'd never built anything before. (laughs) And we, you know, we'd somehow landed this show because we were like, let's just, I don't know, this is maybe not, uh, we, we just really hyped up how good we could do it. <laughs> you know, I don't. Uh, not we were like, even be that. confident. It wasn't we even were like, that. let's just be super confident and tell them exactly. We were really confident like, in our ideas of what we, you know, yeah. but not in actually like getting it execution. done. Execution. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. And you know, dude, my dad, he's so awesome. He he was gonna help us build the van, and then he got a really good job offer like a week before we started filming the show, and he was just like, son, I like. He's like, I don't know. He's like, man, I really hate to do this, and I was like, I get it, I get it. It's cool. So then, we, the person that was gonna help us, we kind of. Yeah. yeah. So long story but, short, you know, we we knew what we wanted to do and what we could do, but we didn't know how we'd pay for it. We didn't know how to build it. We just knew in our brains we wanted it to look like. And, oh, and combine that with this is like the greatest, <laughs> like sarcasm, greatest thing about being on the show is like it generally takes three to four months to build out a van. That's kind of like mm, the science, mm-hmm. you know, now. But 
we had to do it in six shoot days. Yeah, they wouldn't let us build anything if they weren't there to film it. And the crew was flying from L.A. every single time. And so they would fly out. We would shoot for one day. Sometimes we did two days in a row. And it's like, so our van, our van basically got built in like a week. A week. And so it was really challenging for us because, well, they did leave behind cameras. So we would like, you know, do a time lapse or something. But basically. All the big things had to be done in those seven days. Were they scattered, the days? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Between like a month and a half. Yeah. Six Mm -hmm. weeks probably. Yeah. So they'd come out a week and then they'd come out two weeks later. And so we'd try to paint things beforehand and try to prep. Prep as best we could. Otherwise, like we couldn't actually physically build anything unless they were there, which was, yeah, kind of an interesting aspect of this whole thing. But long story long, they put a little bit of budget into some of the things that we wanted to do to make it, to, to give it the van some quote unquote features. Like I said, they're like seven features in a house is like pretty easy to do, you know, but in a van, you're kind of limited on, yeah. on stuff. We so. put a little music studio in it because we were like, well, we can do a, a studio. And then we did a pullout deck so that we could have, you know, a, a deck space. And then we did a rooftop a rooftop deck, deck mm-hmm. you know, so we, and we did a starlit ceiling for our daughter. So we put little lights in throughout the ceiling. And then her loft bed. Her loft yeah. bed was one of the features. I need to go back and see if I remember this episode, if I have watched it. Because watching the tiny home thing and and building these things out is something that my wife and I would do Mm -hmm. in years past. I don't remember how many years ago this was. Was it 17? 17. This uh, aired August of 2017. Okay. How many years then did you end up with this van, living that life on the road, and becoming digital creators and storytellers to keep sharing that kind of life along the way? Well... Um, we bought our property here in Salida in 2019, but we were still in the van. And honestly, we've been in the van until last September. So September of 22. More or less full time? Yeah, full time because we're still trying to build our house out here. It's been a long, grueling process. Mm -hmm. So we, we bought a bus and so we've been in the bus since September of last year. So it's been a little bit more space, but we've had, we still have our van. And, you know, throughout our journey, like, we've occasionally get a hotel or we'll get an Airbnb or stuff like that. But basically, yeah, it's been uh, been since August or July of 2017 until pretty recently. <laughs> and over that time, your family has grown. You have two kids yeah. now. Yeah. How, how old are they? Um, we have Everly, who's nine, and Atlas is three. So he'll be four in December. So they're growing up in this... At least traditionally speaking, it would be an unconventional, untraditional sort of way. They're growing up with the two of you being creators, not having that rooted, oh, I've worked at such and such company for 10 years. Uh, All the ways that you kind of put this life together creatively and live on the road and live in small spaces and outdoors and all the things that you do. Uh, I will be interested in hearing, you know, if this show is still going in 20 years, I want to hear their perspectives on on what it's like to, to grow up in this kind of creative yeah. environment. Yeah. Right. Definitely ask Hopefully our daughter. She's more of she's <laughs> more of the adventurous one. I think our son's really into, you know, um, not going on long car trips. So <laughs> you mentioned you still have the van. I saw recently some videos that you had put out, Ashley, on Instagram and rather emotional. The oh, van broke yeah. down in mm-hmm. a serious way. Mm. 
what is the state of that? Is it okay. going to continue in your life? If, am I touching on a, no, on a sore point fine. here? <laughs> so the van is currently at the Ford dealership here in Salida. <laughs> okay. They haven't been able to look at it, and they told us they couldn't until October 3rd. Yeah. So it's yep. it's still there. So you don't know what the, we don't know. the don't seriousness know, is. You know, we have in six years put 215,000 miles on this van, and people say, well, you're driving it to the ground, you know, yada, yada. And we're like, well, we'll just put a new engine in it or whatever. Yeah. We will most likely just fix it. And, we'll fix whatever. Keep, keep, yeah. it, keep it alive. Keep it going. Because we have decided there will probably not be a time in our life that we just don't have a van. Yeah, not having it over this past month has been not too great. I've yeah. realized how much I love having it just for, you know, overnight trips and having a place to sleep. Yeah. Or just like, you know, you run into town, you have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, there's a <laughs> toilet the in your car. You need car. to make some coffee real quick, no matter where you're at, boom. <laughs> you know, you, you want a snack? Just go to the pantry. Like, why would you ever have another vehicle? <laughs> if, if there's a vehicle that has a bathroom and a kitchen and a bed, then why would you get something else? I don't understand. I think some people would argue gas mileage. but Do you have sentimentality for the life that you have lived and as a family? You know, this is, it's like if you have a house with kids and they grow up there, there's a lot of memories there mm-hmm. that might be harder to let go of. Oh, for sure. Do you feel that with all that the two of you and then your growing family through those years, um, all that you've experienced in the miles and destinations, locations with that van, like to let go yeah. of it now, is that just something you can't emotionally, you know, go with? Yeah, that's a good question. We that's we actually question. put the van up for sale back when we were buying the bus. We were just going to take the cash from the van, buy our bus, and um, we got a cash offer for like fifty five grand. Which, first of all, hold on, this is crazy. We bought our van for thirty one, put like nine into it so it was about 40 when we finished drove it for five years and then sold it for 55 cash or which would have but would have we got the offer and then the i point. got but this is answering your question of like i i couldn't i couldn't follow through with it i was like actually even for a pretty good deal on it, we're just, just gonna keep it yeah. but also to let you know that vans appreciate i guess and well, if you've done all the work for someone, right. you know, it's like, and they can just buy it and go straight into traveling. This particular couple, they were, they were going to buy it and go down to Nicaragua, I think like in a couple of weeks, you know? So, so yeah, it's a great turnkey solution and that's valuable. But right. But we couldn't, we couldn't, couldn't even that. say yes to a really good deal. Yeah. And as it sits in that Ford dealership, I'm wondering if I should have just said yes to that. But, you know, we have a lot of friends who build out vans and are really great at letting go and then letting the new come in. And I think that's a lesson I still have yet to learn. Yeah. And we apply that in many different ways in our life, like just trying to live minimally, trying to live, you know, with with what we really need. Um, but the van is a very specific, special, special um you know, thing near and dear to our hearts. So I'm kind of that way. I, I actually have a 1975 Volkswagen bus that I've oh, had for nearly 20 years. Cool. Yeah. And Heck yeah. can't let go of, even though I don't use it any longer in the ways that you're talking about mm-hmm. in your life. And um, so I guess that's probably why I asked that question, because I'm sentimental and see it mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. And, you know, name, have a name for it, you know? Right. It's like, well, how are you going to let go of something you've named? How are you going to... Right. You know? Right. So I want to ask about, I'm always interested in what people have learned, 
right? What are, what are we learning? What are we taking away from experiences? What are these shaping factors of, of life? You have several years worth of accrued experience with the van, with the 48 state trip. What have you learned about people or anything else that I'm not thinking to ask in that regard? Like, what did you learn through the several years of seeing all mm-hmm. these corners of this country? Mm-hmm. That is wonderful question. Yeah. I, I guess the first thing we learned during the 48 state road trip, which kind of like the, the title of that portion of our experiences is that love is alive is kind of what we've always said, because during that trip, obviously we're in our civic, we, um, couch surfed a lot. So we couch surfed probably 20 times, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. And we couch surfed with all different kinds of people, you know, we couch surfed with this guy from India who had just been betrothed to this lady or had been and had just, um, gotten married and then we couch surfed at this um um like hippie community out in portland with this guy who lived above a music studio and took us to a dance church mm-hmm. with was, yeah. a filipino guy who, who worked for nasa a total um, right wing um you know sniper in the military like yeah the, every range it seems like uh all of, walks of life yeah all walks of life and I think the the beautiful thing that came out of that was just we found commonality with basically every single person that we stayed with. And, you know, we there were – I mean, of course, there's, like, going to be disagreements or whatever, but that wasn't the point. The point is is that we were able to connect with people that, yeah, from, from all different walks of life. And I grew up in, you know, Oklahoma, out in the sticks. You know, there's – so everything was just – this was mind-blowing for me, and it was absolutely life-changing. Absolutely yeah. life-changing. I mean, these people were strangers who opened their homes to us, not knowing who we were. Not you know, I think there's so much fear in our world, and people being like, you know, you're taking your two-year-old around strangers' homes, mm-hmm. you know. And obviously, we did our vetting. Like we were, we were cautious. We weren't just naively going into random people's houses. But what we found was that there's so much goodness in everyone that we met. Um, and it just really opened our minds. I think the key takeaway from something like that, Marge, you, you touched on there is let's look at what we have in common. Let's look at what we actually can connect over mm-hmm. when Absolutely. we've really gotten into habits of doing it the opposite and looking at and trying to identify and, and stay apart based on what we think is different. Yeah. I think everybody ought to have the experience that you did. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we're not all going to, but I think everybody ought to. Right to really yeah. learn, get out of, out of the bubble, right. whatever expand. bubble they're living in. Expand. I'd go wherever back you're and... at, whatever state, you know, whatever, or, you know, wherever, wherever you're at in life, there's room to expand. That's for sure. Right. I'd go back and do it all over again. Absolutely. Exactly the same. With a van. With a van. <laughs> <laughs> so community. That is a word and idea that comes up in a number of these conversations that I have here on the podcast and. You guys are kind of describing something that might be a different kind of community. I wonder what your sense of community might be based on so many years where you're traveling as your own household Mm -hmm. and getting to see these different pieces of people and the way cultures and, and, you know, across the geography are. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's a two-part question. What does community mean to you based on this idea of driving around and getting to see these different aspects 
But also, how do you retain a sense of community because you're always on the move? Right. Mm. I think community was something that was really difficult for us, honestly, on the road. Granted, like we did meet these people through couch surfing and we've stayed connected with a handful of them. Um, and some of those we visited again since then or met right. up with. And, and we try to be there for the big moments with people, you know, weddings, baby showers, like all of the bigger things. We try to, you know, um, make it out to those experiences. But we don't have like the cyclical friendships where like you meet up every Tuesday mm-hmm. or, Though, you know, you have your Sundays where everyone comes over for bonfire nights or yeah. whatever it might be. Like we didn't have that. And so, yes, we're going out to these weddings and these bigger moments, but, um, you know, we're missing all of the life in between. And so that was one of the main reasons for us wanting to plant roots somewhere is so that we could, you know, have that, those like those friendships that you grow on a day-to-day basis um, in van life, there is more of a community. You know, we there's a wonderful, wonderful one, community in van life. Um, it's it's funny. We'll uh, I'll I'll start with this, but we have some friends, Travis and Lauren, and they're elopement photographers. They travel all over the world, but they, you know, I mean, they literally saw one day that we were in the same town that they were. Hit us up on Instagram. Hey, we're here. You guys want to hang out? And we went and had you know pizza and some brews together, and just became instant best friends. And now. You know, we see them pretty frequently, and, and we've seen them in eight or nine different states at different times yeah. throughout the years. By um, chance? Yeah, that we just both happened to be there. Like uh, Washington. And because of your yeah. online presence, you could figure that out. Yeah, you know, well, we we both, or I guess they originally saw that we were in, I think it was Niwot or, um, or yeah. Lafayette or something up, you know, outside of Boulder. And they were just passing through, and so we connected. But then you stay connected to people, and you, you know, you kind of find out, oh, shoot, yeah. we're going to be in Phoenix at the same time. Oh, shoot, we're going to be... You see them in California, yeah, California Washington, all, on the East Coast. And, like. and that is, that's been a really special thing in the van life community for us is, you know, there are other nomads that are out there that are, we're all kind of wandering around doing our own things. And sometimes we get to sync up and like, um, yeah, and just have special times together. Right. And because we're all kind of like-minded in the way of, you know, we all have a little bit of wanderlust it's really easy to meet back up and to catch back right where you left off, um, mm-hmm. where it feels like no time has passed. And honestly, I think, you know, one of the things I've learned from those friendships is that even though we are missing those days in between, like those mundane, like seeing you on a weekly basis, we are building, you know, we make the time that we are together really good. Like the the time is very valuable. And I think we've done that, honestly, even with people that, that don't travel in a van. You know, if we go meet up with friends we haven't seen for a while, we really appreciate that time we have together where I think when you start seeing people regularly all the time in a in a town, you know, you don't really take the time to... Um, it's easy to start taking that for granted. Correct, thank you. And um, otherwise, each moment you get, you're, you're completely present and you're right. locked in and dialed in with those people. And that, you know, it's just... It's wonderful, you know, obviously, because you know it's like, hey, well, it may be months before I see you again or years before we see each other again. Right. And so I think that's an important lesson that we've taken away from traveling when it comes to community and friendships is is to definitely, you know, dial in that time and focus and and be present with people. You know, get off your phone, like have a conversation. And have experiences together. Right. Like, you know, we'll go out and do something, not just like sit around necessarily, but. I've brought up your online presence and that 
you do have a public audience, a following. And that brings in a different concept of community, mm-hmm. right? So you can connect with people from afar who have an interest in van life, but live who knows where around the world, <laughs> yeah. following a hashtag, following your account, whatever right. it might be. Yeah. So I wonder what your thoughts are in regard to that kind of community and what over the past several years you've done in building, how intentionally or not mm-hmm. I, you can you know, share with me, but to build that audience online and be able to connect with people that way too, no matter where you're roving at the time. Mars, you want to give your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I'll say first that like we kind of happened upon getting a following. Um, it was, I think it was just really timing. us. Yeah. It was just timing, um, was everything. And, and we were, we tried to be real and just authentic as people. And so I think that's, you know, I, obviously I guess people, you know, really appreciate that, but in terms of, yeah, I mean, I would say it's wonderful thing. We have friends online that we've never met, but we've connected with because of, you know, because of our, our love for travel or our love for minimalism or, or whatever it is. And, you know, that some of these people have been th- you know with us through really hard times and vice versa. And yeah, we've maybe never, never even met before. So I think it's a wonderful tool and obviously it can be used um, as like life draining as well, the same tool. So I think, you know, like social media obviously is what I'm referring to. But, uh, you know, for us, it's been something where we will we will use it and we'll, you know, be a part of the community and, and whatnot. But sometimes um, it's good to take a break. And if we don't feel mm-hmm. like it's really feeding our soul being, you know, uh, on social media or whatever, we'll just, you know, kind of back off for a little while. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. hard to do? Is it hard to back off? What Because I think for any of us who have a smartphone in our pockets or within reach, find it very difficult to put it down. Stop, whether it's social media or anything else. I mean, I can be watching a show and it can be some sort of noble intent that I'm curious. I Well, they just mentioned some historical figure in this show. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to Google. I can't stop grabbing my phone, no matter what the intentions are, or if it's just a scroll on Instagram, mm-hmm. and I can get sick of it with myself. And still, it's like an addiction. Mm-hmm. Do you find it difficult as creators, as people who have an audience, maybe expecting, demanding, wanting you to p- be putting out something right. of your story, is it hard to set it aside and play with your kids instead? I think... Honestly, so 2020, the world shut down. We moved back here to shelter in place on our land, and we had no cell service or internet or anything. And so for months, we didn't know what was happening in the world. And honestly, it was probably a good thing because I'm sure we could have gone down the rabbit hole of getting sucked into the media and what was being said about COVID. But we were really isolated during that time. So I think whatever, you know... And Atlas at the time, our youngest, was an infant. He was three months old. And so I think it it really gave us time to put all of that into perspective. And so we really don't post as much anymore. In order to grow your account at this point in time, you have to be on there always, like every second, it feels like. And so it's just – it's not something that interests me a lot. I do – I think I'm a storyteller at heart, and so I love – storytelling. I love photography. I love videography. I I love all of that. And so I do do that to the point where it brings me fulfillment, but I don't go past that. Um, I don't like my kids seeing me on my phone. 
you know, reaching for it all the time. And so, you know, I, I will post occasionally, but I'm, I'm not going to sit there and feed into the beast. Yeah. I'll take that further by saying it's like we, when we start to realize, oh, we're doing this for content. If we ever say that to each other, we basically, it's like a, you know, actually let's hold up. Are we going to appreciate this content when we're older? Is this, is this, you know, in some capacity self-serving, you know, or are we doing this just for uh, everyone else? Yeah, for everyone else. And, and I mean, like no offense to everyone else, but like, that's not why we right. started our journey at all. Um, you know, we love absolutely, I mean, it's so fulfilling to maybe inspire people mm-hmm. here and there or to be able to speak in other people's lives on things that we've done. Right. But as long as it's as a long real as it's connection, healthy. as exactly. long as it's a real connection with people. And the thing is, is, I don't feel like a lot of times it is. And if it's a real connection, you know, we have real connections through that tool. They're not sitting there waiting for us to post. I don't right. feel like the world is like no. waiting for me to put something on the Internet. Absolutely and so not. I, you know, and I'm not going to sit there and try to make people wait for me to put something on the internet. Like I don't, (laughs) I don't care that much. And I don't think people care that much. You know, I don't think anyone really cares. I'll guess that that's why you have the following you have (laughs) is because what you're posting is something that you feel compelled to share as -hmm. sharers, which maybe it's obvious, but because of my doing this podcast, I believe Mm -hmm. in the value of sharing of connecting through story, of yeah. being vulnerable and, and truthful with our stories, and that that's a point of connection for us. Right. So Absolutely. I wonder then what you value in sharing. We're, we're talking about authenticity. We're talking about connection and sharing only when it feels right to share, not because you're trying to yeah. somehow boost your following with just entertainment that yeah. is perhaps hollow. So what does sharing mean to the two of you and – I'm also curious, how do you decide? You've already spoken to it some, Mars, but how do you decide what is worth sharing and, and why you're doing it? Yeah. Well, currently we're building our a, an A-frame cabin. And so— And we're developing our property in general. I, I want to be able to look back. You know, there's—I've spoken about this before, but there's, like, periods of my life where I didn't share stories— you know, where I didn't make videos of what was happening. And it kind of turns into this, like, blob of a memory where maybe a couple of things stick out, you know. And I want to be 80 years old and look back on this period of time of building out our cabin and, like, and have it be, you know, really have those memories there. And so for me, sharing is, like, how do I want to remember this story when I'm older, you know. And for friends and family who live far away, you know, what what are they interested in? They want to see, oh, like you have your flooring in now and your windows and like how are the kids, you know. Kind of virtually get to see the kids like grow up and, you know, see. So, I mean, there's that that is our main driving force for sharing our story is being able to either for us to have later in life or for connecting with those, you know, with others. And, uh, and also, and also, like, as far as, like, the traveling goes, really inspiring people to say yes to things and to see, like, you can do something can do a it. little crazy and mm-hmm. you're going to be okay. And it's going, you know, it's you're going to have difficult times, but also, you know. You're going to have difficult it's times like you have a bigger, with your regular life. <laughs> right. But you get a bigger spectrum of, of experience, you know, like. You know, you, you, a lot of times the internet glamorizes everything, and you have to remember, like as glamorous as it is, it's the other side of the coin as well. <laughs> you know, especially with with van life, with 
you know, I don't know, compost toilets or whatever They're else you have to deal with. Finding you know, parking. Finding all parking. The time. I mean, yeah. You know, there's there's the other side of the coin with the glamorous lifestyle, but you do get that wider spectrum of experience, which is something like, you know, we just get this life. So let's just experience like the highest of highs, even if it does come with like really low loads, you know. Mm-hmm. So talking about the property, you've described the frame, but also that there's more to it. I think you have a vision. Again, I, I follow you on Instagram. I see at least some of the videos and, and things that you share. So I'm aware of this larger, more creative vision. I know that, Mars, you have a music studio built there as well. What is this vision and, and time frame and whatever, you know, is, is going on with this? Yeah. So I guess I'll start by um, taking it back to right before our 48 State Road Trip. We were trying to be really intentional and kind of, you know, setting vision for what life could be. If, you know, we, we look at life as like, if we could do all the things we actually wanted to do somehow by magic, what would it look like? And so before, even before a 48 state road trip, I started, um, yeah, you know, praying and meditating on like, what is life really going to look like? What can I, what kind of purpose can I bring to life that's more than just me and, you know, traveling for my family and blah, blah, blah. And after about three months of, you know, continually asking that, I, I kind of felt like it would be a really fun idea to, uh, to build out a property, preferably in the mountains, that had creative resources um, for, for creatives, for yeah, people in music or film or, or whatever, and have kind of a, a retreat of sorts that creatives can go to, have the resources they need, have a breath of fresh air, and hopefully create some really, you know, meaningful stuff in life. And so, it we, was a life. It was like a lifelong goal. It was we're like this. This when was we're 16, exactly. We'll do this. this was like when you know when we're like when the kids are all grown up and we have grandkids. We'll like kind of kind of do this, and then um, so fast forward. You know, a few years later, throughout our travels, we realized, well, man, you know, might as well just do this now. It was the same thing with the 48 state road trip, right? We're like, oh, we'll do this in five <laughs> years, which turned to like, let's do this next year because. You know, obviously it's something we want to do, and it's a way that we feel like we can contribute um, in something that's more than just ourselves. You know, we try to follow uh, the the way, you know, the the path to happiness by, you know, first is experiences on a, on a kind of a you know, shallower level, and then growth as a person, and then contribution as like the last the last bit of that. And you know, experiences obviously we've done forty C road trip and our van and everything, and, and we've had a lot of growth. <laughs> Um, through those experiences. And, and this is kind of our way of, of doing something that can help others. Um, and, and maybe it won't, but at least this is a, a way that we think we can. Given it a shot. Given it a shot. So, yeah, we've so far, we are 2020, you know, stuck at home. You know, that summer, uh, our project was to build a little tiny studio to kind of get things rolling. And so we have a, a great singer songwriter, basically tiny studio or podcast room. Um, we edit all our videos in there. And, um, and then in the very near future, we've already done one, but we want to have live music sessions from singer songwriters or duos in that space. And that we're, that's like, that's the forefront right now. We're really, really excited about that, but we're allowing this to be something that kind of develops a life of its own, you know, as the timing is right. So, Right now, we're finishing up our house, which is a really, really big thing. So we're kind of just, as soon as our house is done, trust me, we'll, uh, we'll have the next thing right there on mm-hmm. 
around the horizon. I really want to create an art space. Currently, we have like a vintage camper that's full of art supplies. It's covered in paint, <laughs> um, which is really fun. But I want I want to have a bigger space that has like you know plexiglass garage doors you can open up to view the mountains, like cement floors, all the paint supplies where you can just go out there and and have a good time. And yeah. And host like basic, well, you know, ideally in a perfect world, we would host little retreats for small groups of people to come and, you know, maybe hire like a, a well-known songwriter to come s- teach a songwriting class mm-hmm. um, or hire a wonderful you know painter to come in and teach a course on that or something. And, and maybe even taking all those things digitally as well. Uh, but really the focus is to have a place away from the noise to, as a creator for creatives to come out and... Yeah. And express themselves. We do have a girl coming out the end of September who's going to host like a wellness retreat next summer. And so it'd be like for five people. Um, And so, you know, smaller groups like that that can come out and and get away from the city and and find um, healing through art in some way. You obviously traveled the whole country, 48 states. Uh, Why here? Why in rural central Colorado? How did this come to be the place that you chose instead of anywhere else, which I have to believe you would have been just as motivated to, to make your dreams yeah. happen. That's a great, that's a great question. Um, many of our nationwide friends ask that, you know, why a rural town in, in Colorado? But honestly, we came to Salida a long time ago mm-hmm. and for a weekend and it was over Fib Arc and really 2014. Yeah. Really enjoyed our time. And so it's kind of always been in the back of our mind. We've always really liked it. And we came back when we got the van and yeah. The first weekend we had the van. The fir- actually. actually, yeah, the first week when we got the van, we came down a slide. Not even thinking about future stuff, we just came down a slide. had a really wonderful time, and then you know, over our travels throughout the states, we've always kind of had in the back of our head like, where might we land? You know, yeah. and I, uh, I, I'll never forget this. I told my mom when I was eight years old. I said, "I'm, I'm moving to Colorado when I grow up. I'm moving to Colorado." Yeah. But we were open. We were open to other. We were open to other we, places. We honestly, we get on Land Watch. I don't know if you've ever heard of Land Watch, but you can look at land for sale all across the U.S. And we would look at Colorado. We'd look at Idaho, Oregon, and Washington. I have family from Washington State. I love the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, we we love the outdoors. Um, so if we wanted a place where, and also a van friendly place. Like the amount of vans that come through Salida. I mean, anyone who lives around here, you see so many converted vans. Mm-hmm. You go out to like the East United Eastern States. Eastern U.S. That is not. You the don't case. really see vans, and so like for us, it felt like home just driving through here. And we're also like, we want a place where friends that are in vans will travel through. And it's like this is, I yeah. mean, this is a van life heaven, you know. And so. But I think you know, obviously, really important for us was finding a place that had a, a heartbeat. You know, yeah. they had a real heartbeat and um, we didn't want a big city and you know, we wanted to, we wanted to kind of be removed a little bit. And, you know, each time that we, we visited here, just, it just felt so wholesome and homey and, um, and groovy and funky. Like, you know, there's so much personality to, yeah. to the Valley. It didn't and, feel like a cookie cutter place. You know, every house here is different. It's, it's weird. Like it feels alive. Obviously people are wonderful. You know, I mean, it's, there's just. You know, if you live here, you know exactly why, right? I mean, it's we all a, we all live here yeah. for probably similar reasons, right? It's a wonderful place. Or those who are listening who 
don't live here can be all the more jealous no, at the things you're actually describing. Don't, yeah, like, <laughs> it's horrible. Don't come. Just kidding. Come visit. <laughs> I wonder, with you setting down these roots, obviously you're talking about a longer-term vision. Uh, what is the role of travel, then, as you see it in your future? Yeah, so um, basically this is, you know, we've kind of decided this is going to be our launch pad. Um, this is going to be where where home is in the heart of our kids and for us as well. And um, but we have lots and lots of travel planned. That's for sure. Uh, Twenty. Well, we're gonna we're gonna spend an entire year just living in our house and letting our kiddo finish fourth grade, mm-hmm. and then she'll probably do a little bit of fifth grade. And we're gonna. The plan is right now. Rough plan. Rough plan <laughs> is uh, Central America. Um, you know, get down and. Nicaragua, Costa Rica, and definitely revisit Guatemala, one of our favorite countries. I love countries. Guatemala so much. Yeah. You know, it's the country of eternal spring, and I, I'm really into, like, 70-degree weather, so. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, we basically always want to, you know, travel and then come back here and and connect with our community and connect with those that are around us, those that we love, and then kind of get refilled and then jump back out. Yeah. we. I mean, right now we're planning, hopefully, maybe 2025, doing, like, a— like a three month trip, you know, possibly in a van. I don't, we haven't, we've, we've kind of dabbled in the idea of what we're going to do exactly, but we know that we're not done with our travels yet. Mars, what is music for you? What is, you have a music studio, you have this life that, um, very creative and expressive through music. And I'm just curious as somebody who has played some intru- instruments, but not been, in a band, not been mm. that creator with it like you are. I, I think I'm – help me see through your eyes. Yeah, man. I mean, music for me has always been – well, first off, I'll say I'm not like a phenomenal musician or like, you know, this God-gifted, you know, to the earth. But Ashley, it's is he always, down playing that? It's always been – no, He I'm had not. a band that was pretty good. Okay, but <laughs> the, <laughs> thanks to the other guys in it. But Oh, my gosh. Um, no, it's always been the thing in my life that's been steady. It's always been, no matter what happens, no matter um, where I'm at in life, it's always, it's, it's always just, you know, been something that brings me fulfillment and brings me happiness. And so, you know, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter if I'm the greatest musician. What matters is that it's something that really means a lot to me. And it's something that, that is obviously good for my soul and good for, uh, you know, hopefully things that I create, you know, are good for others or help others in some way. But it's, it's really just been the most consistent thing in my life and uh and that yeah means a lot it's an amazing commitment to say i'm going to build a studio you described it actually as being in the van that was part of what you had there Mm -hmm. now you have one that you've built on this property like that's i i think probably a little bit extraordinary you know people can play in their basement they can play in their bedroom and that's all good but you've taken it the next step and said i want to make this environment to foster this thing that means so much to me. Yeah, it really happened because Ashley said that I had too much crap around. Yeah, so. he calls himself a minimalist, but he's not, not minimal with, when not it comes music to music gear. equipment. No. And so I was thinking. But I will say we sold our audio production company or we, we uh, you know, sold our equipment and everything in Oklahoma when we hit the road. So I did pretty He got rid of a lot of stuff. Well I can't right even there. imagine. Like, what did you have? We have so much stuff still. <laughs> two, two full cases. You know, a bunch of stuff. And it's okay. He has accumulated more since coming here, since he's he's been running sound around town. So he needed more stuff. <laughs> Ashley, what's sort of an equivalent, I guess? What is your creative form that is not necessarily for online, but what is just part of your creative daily life 
in a sense? Um, honestly, I, I've always liked songwriting. And so I think that's connected Mars and me through the years. Um, we have written some stuff. We do need to utilize our recording studio to record it. Yeah, right now, <laughs> right now we're in the building fundamental, you know, fundamental stage. But, um, but very, very soon it will be in building yeah. our... Uh, yeah, music stuff. And then so. I also I also really enjoy video production. I kind of found that out my junior year of college. I was doing um, I was a broadcast major, and so you don't really get into your major until the end of school, which is crazy. But I was like, you know what? I really enjoy um, filmmaking and creating videos and telling stories in this more documentary style way um, rather than like a news story. And so I started working for. Um, a TV show was like a local TV show called The Rock and Road Show. And so we would film bands coming through and interview them and like kind of tell their story and then film their live shows. And so I enjoyed doing that. And then when I met Mars, I did videos of like our weekly life, but I didn't put them on YouTube. I think I just did it for myself um, just because I really enjoy creating like a documentary style of, of life as, as, uh, as I see it, I guess. You have these two young kids we've we've mentioned. What do you think as parents you would like the takeaway to be ultimately, you know, if in 15 years what you hope they have accrued through the travels, through mm-hmm. this sense of community in all the senses of community that you have developed and, and brought them into through the property that fosters that, just all of these pieces of who you are, mm-hmm. what are you hoping that they are absorbing in this time? Um, to follow, this sounds so cliche, but honestly, to follow their heart and follow their dream, no matter how big it is, and to try to help people within that. Right. I think at the very end of the day, it's like if, if they, if they take their experience, um, that they have growing up and use all of that to really find out what they can do that they love and how it can help the world, dude, Yeah. as a parent, I'm like, okay. Heck yeah. Like, but uh, I think obviously all of, you know, the relationships that we've had on the road and the wide variety of people they've met and all of that, you know, hopefully we'll craft them to be a very open-minded, independent, um, you know, loving and caring individual as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I think what you're modeling for them, if we circle this back to the beginning and the idea of you leaping into van life and probably what is you know, a perception across the vast majority of population is, well, I can't do that. It's very cool that you do. I can't imagine how you do. I can't uproot and do that. What you're doing is modeling possibility for mm-hmm. your kids. And and I think that that is just invaluable. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I've enjoyed getting to know you both more here today. Thank you for sharing your story. I enjoy following you online. Um, you know, we'll include links for those things in the show notes at wearechafee.org. But again, thank you. This has been great. Yeah, dude, seriously, it's Thanks an honor to be us. here. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. This has been really fun. Thanks for listening to the We Are Chafee Looking Upstream podcast. If our conversation here today sparks curiosity for you, you can learn more in this episode's show notes at wearechafee.org. If you have comments or know someone in Chafee County, Colorado, who I should consider talking with on the podcast, you can email us at info at 
We invite you to rate and review the We Are Chafee Looking Upstream podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use with that functionality. We also invite you to tell others about the Looking Upstream podcast. Help us to keep growing community and connection through conversation. Once again, I'm Adam Williams, host, producer, and photographer. John Prey is engineer and producer. Thank you to Cahan 106.9 FM, our community radio partner in Salida, Colorado. To Heather Gorby for graphic and web design. To Andrea Carlstrom, director of Chafee County Public Health and Environment. And to Lisa Martin, community advocacy coordinator for the We Are Chafee Storytelling Initiative. The We Are Chafee Looking Upstream podcast is a collaboration with the Chafee County Department of Public Health and the Chafee Housing Authority. And it's supported by the Colorado Public Health and Environment Office of Health Disparities. You can learn more about the Looking Upstream podcast and related storytelling initiatives at wearechafee.org and on Instagram and Facebook at wearechafee. Lastly, until the next episode, as we say here at We Are Chafee, share stories, make change. <laughs>